Hi there. You are listening to the That Christian Next Door podcast, and I'm your host, Sam. This is episode four of our first season, and the theme of the season is the Christian journey. In this episode, I share a discussion over Zoom with my local church about an important aspect of the Christian journey, which is to do with developing closeness to God, or to put it another way, being in His presence. As Christians, God's presence should be a first resort for us. However, we need to be clear about what His presence is and isn't, and we need to be aware of the requirements of His presence. In the episode, I speak about a solemn encounter I had during a time of prayer, and the episode is rounded off like our last one with some songs of worship to God. In the episode, I make mention of some scriptures, but I do not give the Bible passage where they can be found. I have made a list of these in the podcast description. Be blessed. So next in presence, and, and these were different things that the Lord was talking to me about. And presence is a very interesting concept in Christianity. Exodus 33, 14 to 16 talks a little bit about presence. And in this, the Lord is saying to Moses to go and take the children of Israel to a particular place that he wanted them to go. And Moses was adamant, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, there's no point. If, you're, if you don't go with us, there's no point. But then when you think about it, presence is not just some abstract thing. Presence is not just, oh, it feels hot here. Sometimes maybe as Christians, we think, oh, okay, we just finished praise and worship. I'm sweating. Oh, yeah, the presence of the Lord is here. The presence requires a person. Only a person can have a presence. So what you find is that he that abides in me and I in him, he brings much fruit. You have to abide in. And it's not in a presence, it's in a person. It's, it's not being in the church that makes you bring much fruit. It's being in him. So let's not mix up presence as being different from person. Presence requires a person. And God wants us in his presence, in him. Remember the scriptures we read, they that wait upon the Lord. Psalm 25 verse 5, all day do I wait on thee. Another one by David, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord, because that's where the Lord is. So where the person is, the presence is, and vice versa. You can't have one without the other. And what you find is being in the presence of God is not about physical proximity. If he was beside you, it, it doesn't mean you are close to him. If you think of the woman, the issue of blood, so many people were around Jesus, but only she had an encounter. Even his disciples were like, what, what do you mean someone touched you? Even they themselves weren't close. She was closer than all of them. So being in the presence of God is not about physical proximity. Remember the centurion and he was saying to Jesus, Oh, send the word and my servants will be healed. Being in the presence of God is not about physical proximity. I don't want us to, and I think maybe that's something that God wants us to just kind of have in our heads. As sometimes we think some of the decisions that we make, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church today. I'll, I'll be there for 11. So I will, I will be near him. But physical proximity to a structure or even to him himself does not guarantee that you're in his presence. Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered in my name, 
So you need to be gathered in his name. Okay. So where the presence is not, we lose our reward and there are repercussions. So the presence is our sustenance, is our reward. And if the presence is not there, then we lose our reward and our sustenance. He's our daily bread. We never have to beg. He keeps us hungry. He keeps us wanting more. And then he also feeds us. So we know that God's presence is associated with certain things. Praise. He dwells in the praises of his people. Worship. He that offereth praise glorifies me. Joy in the fullness, sorry, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And his right hand pleasures forever. Holiness. We know that without holiness, no one will see God. You certainly won't be in his presence and you won't see him. So if these things are not there, he will not be and not in the way that we want, certainly. Now, sometimes, and, and this is just something to clarify, where there is sin and where people or someone is not living the kind of life they should be and God is present, you might feel comfortable. And say, oh, God is here. I don't need to change. Everything is okay. And you, you find some people who maybe on Facebook or on Instagram or on WhatsApp, they say God first. They, they've written, but then by actions, either that they do in private or even in public, there is no way God is near. But to them, it feels like God is there orchestrating their lives. So now somebody who isn't a Christian can say, oh, God has gotten me this job, but I know you're not a Christian. and He didn't get you that job. God has gotten me a new car, but you're not a Christian. He didn't get you that new car. You got it yourself. So where sin prevails and God is present, he's not present because he, is, he approves of what you're doing. He's, he's present because he's trying to save you. And this is where we think of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Just because God is knocking at your door doesn't mean he's your friend. He's there because he's trying to save you. So just because the physical presence of God might be near you does not mean you are in it. And it's just very important for us to keep that in mind. Judgment has a day and that day will be untouched. But it doesn't mean a wrong will remain unjustified. Eventually, eventually it catches up with you. But until then, we have grace. We have the mercy of God calling us, calling us. So as I was praying, and I, I never actually fully saw his face. You know, no one can see his face. But I, I could see him there in the distance sitting on the throne. And I was there. Uh, as a child on the floor, and I noticed for the first time that the the streets or, or the floor was was gold. And I tried to look at myself, and I could see something, but I couldn't see myself. And and I looked again, and I could see something. I could just see an outline, but I couldn't see myself. And what I realized was, when you are in the presence. Any reflection you see is not of yourself, it's of him. When you are really in the presence, you don't see yourself anymore. You see him. So the presence is the same everywhere, and so is the reflection. And that reflection is not a reflection of ourselves, it's a reflection of him. 
Remember, we are being transformed every day into the image of Jesus Christ. So when, when you look, when you're in the presence and you're trying to look at yourself, you won't see yourself anymore. You will see someone who's better than yourself. You will see him. His presence is all-consuming. No matter what you do, it's just him. It's a picture of him. And the reality is him too. And that is why James 1-2 says, Counter all joy. Because when you're in this presence and it's all him, there's fullness of joy. There's nothing to worry about. Now, I know this might not always translate into our lives on a daily basis. Like, oh, well, I do have bills to pay. How can I count it all joy? But the fact of it is if we are in his presence and the reward is him, not, oh, I'm in his presence and he's going to give me money to pay for this. If we are in, in, if if the reward is him, remember we weren't forced into Christianity. So Christianity is that the reward is him, not what he can give him. So if if you don't see what he can give, it it shouldn't change how you feel, because from the very start it has always been about him, not what he can give. So then, if you look at Psalm ninety-one verse one. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What you find then is when you're in His presence, you won't even see. You're in His shadow. All you will see is Him. The light is on Him. The light is coming from Him. Everything is for Him, in Him, through Him, by Him. Nothing to do with you. And this is a very interesting one. The presence is not a guarantee of anything else but Him. When we're in God's presence, sometimes we think, okay, well, I might find a wife here. Or you think, oh, well, I'll get healing here. Sometimes we, we chase the presence for the wrong reason. But the presence itself is the reward. So the presence is not a guarantee of anything else. When God's presence is anywhere, all it guarantees is that he is there. It's, it, it, it's, it's just him. It's, it's not his hand, it's not his ear, it's not his face, it's just him. The presence is a guarantee of him. Sometimes we, we come to church and we only want his hand. Sometimes we come to church and we only want his ear or his face. But actually, it's all of him. And you won't get all of him unless you want all of him. And what does all of him mean? It means you mightn't get your way. All of him means him and his word. And if his word is, I need you to sacrifice something, the same way he asked Abraham, please sacrifice Isaac. No, that's, that's him. Now, what are you going to do? And that's often the test. The presence is not a guarantee of anything else but him. Think of the wedding in Canaan. The bride and the bridegroom, they invited Jesus. Please come. Then at some point, the wine finished and Mary heard and Mary knew and she went to her son and Jesus had never performed any miracle up till then. And she said, oh, the wine is finished. And then the story goes on and eventually Jesus turned water to wine. But the fact of it is, unless Jesus was there, that miracle would not have happened. Unless Jesus was invited and his disciples that miracle would not have happened. So Jesus had to be present first. Now, what does that tell us? 
the presence, him. We, we should want him first, seek him first. If you want his hand first, you might miss it. Why was Mary successful? Because she knew him first and then she knew what he would do. But you have to know him first. Now, sometimes things that are unfair can happen even when you dwell in his presence daily. David, King David, dwelled in the presence of God daily, but yet Saul was trying to kill him. Daniel dwelled in the presence of the Lord daily, yet he was thrown in the lion's den. The disciples were in the presence of the Lord every day, and yet they found themselves in a storm, saying, Lord, do you not care what happens to us? Sometimes a Christian falls ill, and sometimes a Christian dies suddenly. Things that make us sad can happen even when we dwell in his presence. And I know this might be a little tough to hear, but the presence is not a guarantee of anything else but him. And we need to make our peace with that, that, Lord, I just want you for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we come to worship, Lord, I just, I just want to worship you. And if something happens, so be it. If you, if you remember the three Hebrew uh, boys in, in, in the story of, uh, in the book of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar asked them, oh, please bow down. And they're like, no. Okay, I'll throw you in the fire. And said, well, if you throw us, our God is able to save us. But if you don't, and if, if he doesn't, that's okay too. We're not going to bow down. The presence is a guarantee of just him. Mm. The presence, all that guarantees is just him. Anything that comes after, so be it. And if nothing comes, so be it. But that's the test of our Christianity. Okay. So if his presence is our reward, if we are driven to get the presence, if we are presence-minded, if we are presence-focused, then nothing is a threat. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's Romans 8.35. Nothing if we are driven by the presence. Everything will try, but nothing will succeed. In fact, every waking hour is then a door to being with him. Everything that happens, in all things give thanks. Everything that happens then is just a way to get into his presence. Because then truly nothing can separate us. And knowing this, then we don't give in. We contend. We make the most of now. We fight. Fight for our faith. Fight for Christianity. If we are truly driven by the presence, everything that happens in our life, it doesn't matter. I want to come be in your presence. And if you're truly in the presence, and if the presence is your reward, then certain actions and behaviors are impossible for Christians. If the presence is something that you want, then certain actions and behaviors you will not do. I won't go into the details because I'm sure we all know. But if the presence is our reward, certain actions and behaviors should not happen in a Christian's life. So we see this Jude 1 tree. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Salvation was the initial goal of Jude's communication. The letter he wanted to write, he wanted to write it about salvation, but then something happened and he said, no. 
Actually, it, it's just as important that I write to you about contending for the faith. So what you find is salvation is as important as fighting for that salvation. You can't have salvation and not fight for it. There's no point having salvation and not fighting for it. You need both. You need to be saved and then you need to start fighting for that salvation. We are humans. When we give our lives to Christ, we become new creatures, but we remain human. And that's what God wants. In Psalm 103.14, we know he says, He knows our frame, that we are but dust. He made us know fully well who we are and what we can do. So God is at peace with our humanity. But are we? God is happy that we are humans. God is happy that sometimes things can happen. Sometimes we can face setbacks. God is happy. That's the way he created it. And he says, in all things, give thanks. Are you happy though? That sometimes you can be vulnerable? Are you, are you, are you at peace with that? That sometimes things can happen? In all things, we are more than conquerors. Okay, yes, things can happen. But you know what? The presence of the Lord is my reward. I will go into his presence. Remember, Joseph, how can I do this sin and displease God? The presence, God, was his reward. So God doesn't try to force us to become something we're not. So we should not force ourselves to be something we're not. He made us and was well pleased with what he made. He put on us his image. He put on us his likeness by design, not by accident. And what you find is that the all-powerful God, he himself, has been through many of the things we have been through. Pain, he lost his son. Joy, heaven rejoices when a soul is saved. Betrayal, Peter betrayed him. Judas betrayed him. Loneliness, he's been through that. He asked once, who will go for us? And as I said, I will go. But he's asked so many times, is there any man willing to go? He's felt frustration. He's felt hurt. He's felt regret. When he saw the sin in the Old Testament in the time of Noah, I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't created humans. He feels love. He feels infatuation. He loves the children of Israel. He's felt kindness. He's felt peace. All the things we go through, he's gone through it. He, he feels it on a daily basis. He feels love. Lamentations, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every day he feels these things. God is happy with who he is. Why aren't you happy with who you are? God has put his word upon us. We have been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. So pain is nothing to be afraid of. Things not going our way is nothing to be afraid of. Don't be afraid of pain. Be afraid of missing him. Job 13.15 put it a good way. Though he slay me, still I will trust him. Don't be afraid of the things that we are surrounded by in the world. Be afraid of missing him. That's, that's something the devil does. He, he changes our truth. He makes you think, oh, this is important, but actually it's not. I want to be where you are. That's what's important. Pain is not going to take me away. Things not going my way is not going to take me away. I, I want to be where you are. So what are our priorities? What is the truth about you? Well, the truth about you is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So let's live up to that. Where is it that you think you are? Are you in the presence or are you out of the presence? A good contrast to the two great commandments is a believer. Some believers. They'll say, oh, I love God. But then you have to check. 
Do you love others? And then most sinners are like, oh, I, I love people. I, I give to charity. and I, But then do you love God? What are our priorities? What lies do we tell ourselves? Malachi is, is, is full of the lies that the Israelites told themselves. They would give an offering and the Lord would be like, this offering you're given, who, who are you giving it to? My actions, their actions spoke a language. What lies do we tell ourselves? What, what, what things do we do by actions? And we think we're doing something else, but actually we're, we're totally saying something else. Actions speak a language that God understands better than we do. My action, if, if I do something now, God understands better than I do why I did it, because he created me. So we can't lie to God. Now what we find is the truth can be lied about. Oh, it's sunny today. Oh no, that's not sun, that's just streetlights. The meaning of the truth can be lied about. But since there's only one truth, and that's the truth that sets you free. The truth is unflinching. Come rain or sunshine, it doesn't change. There is, there is not oh, real truth. There's, there's not actual truth. There's not semi-truth. There's just one truth, Jesus. And it's characterized and it's defined and it's caused to be by God. So what is God saying? Where is he? Those are the things that, that should guide us. What is he saying about you? Where are you? If you're a Christian, he's saying, be of good cheer. I have overcome. Greater is he in you than he in the world. Hebrews 4.16 Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So if you really want to come, who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will be made a plain. If you really want to come, if you really want to abide in him, ask whatsoever you want. We know that the Lord is not interested in playing around. Burnt offerings, sacrifices, he never wanted all that. The, the elaborate rigmaroles and the ways we turn ourselves inside out and outside in, he, he doesn't want any of that. Without, oh, I'm going to go on Zoom today because church is at 11, but then you're actually sleeping in bed, in your pajamas. Or, oh, um, I might be 30 minutes late to church, but at least I'm there. All these little things that we do, all these, these things we tell ourselves, God doesn't want that. But it's clear what he wants. Psalm 24 verse 4, Who will ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He that has a clean hand and pure heart. Psalm 40 verse 8. My ears have you opened. You've done a good job in my ears. You've, you've really opened it now so I can hear you. Jeremiah 18 6. Can I not, can I not make you as this potter? So the potter was making the pot and, and it didn't work out well. So he dissolved it and then he made it again. And God is asking us, can I not make you again like this potter? Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A broken spirit and a contrite heart you won't despise. God desires you to do what he created you to do, not what you want or think you should do. I'll just say that again. What God wants you to do is what he created you to do. He created your ears to hear him. He created your eyes to see him. He created and gave you a clean hand and a pure heart to use clean hands and pure hearts to worship him. God wants you to use what he created for him. He wants you to do what he created you to do, not what you think you should do. 
First Corinthians 5.11 talks about how there's no other foundation laid, no better foundation than the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So if, if God has invested in his time in, in creating your ears and in cleaning your heart and in, in renewing a right spirit in you, that's where the value is. There is value where God has invested his time. And that's what we should use for him. Sometimes, just out of the blue, we just, oh, I'm going to do this. Who, who told you to do that? But there is value where God has invested his time. So the thing that God has done in your life, is he's given you a new heart. Now use that new heart to glorify him. He's given you a right spirit. Now use that right spirit to glorify him. Don't just come up out of nowhere and just say, oh, I'm supposed to do this, so I'll do it. No. God wants you to use what he has created. The only foundation that stands is something that is done by Jesus Christ. And the work that Jesus Christ has done in our lives. New eyes, new ears, new hearts, new hands. Only if we use these new things he's created will we have success. If, if we try and use the old things, it won't work because no other foundation is better than the foundation of Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 5.11. So it's not a joke when Jesus says, I'm the author and finisher of your faith. He really means anything you want to do for me, I must be the one who starts it and I must be the one who finishes it. It, it must involve something I have done. You can't just wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. He has to be in it. You have to be in the presence. You have to be in the, in the lab of heaven. Titus 2.11 talks about how the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us, encouraging us that we should deny ungodliness and all the pleasures of this world. That just means the grace of God has appeared. So now you don't have an excuse. He's given us clean hands, pure hearts, new spirits. Let's use it for his glory. So Psalm 51, that's just a, a screen grab of us. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite heart. That he will not despise. So the works of God's hands used to serve him is what he requires. Because no other foundation is better than the foundation laid by the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. So what is my story? Well, until I gave up to God, I was up and down. I thought I could control my life. I thought I could have one foot in, one foot out. But you find the Christian's life is not about himself or herself. I used to care in my own way. I, I thought I cared about people. But actually, you won't care about people as best you can when you do it. Through the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. That's, that's where that saying comes. Because we're doing it through him. But when you try and do it on your own, you will fail. I used to, I used to, to commit sin and, and just commit the worst atrocities. And on Saturday evening or, or Sunday morning, I'd be like, oh Lord, please forgive me. Because I knew I was coming into his presence. But you see, I was coming into his presence. I wasn't there. But God wants us there all day. Remember Psalm 25 verse 5. All day do I wait on thee. 
He wants us to fellowship in his suffering. What was Jesus' suffering? Jesus' suffering was that he denied himself from start to finish. He denied himself fellowship in his suffering. Don't just relate. Don't just understand it. We, we need to go through it to ourselves. Too many people try and have the best of both worlds. But as a Christian, we only have the best of him or none of him. There's no need to lie to ourselves. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I am certainly not perfect. But the grace of God has appeared to all men. And you just need to accept it. He's standing at the door knocking. Will you let him in? So as we grow, options start to open. Some people stay in the presence of the Lord. Some people experiment, but then like, oh no, I need to come back. Some people let loose, but then say, oh no, no, I have to come back. And then some people, they leave what they have known and they never return to the presence of the Lord. Luke 15 verse 19 is a very interesting scripture. It's the prodigal son story and it talks about how I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And I think the key in that verse is no longer. So does that mean he was worthy before? But the fact of it is we don't have any history on himself. We don't know that he used to help his father iron. We don't know that he used to help in the farm. We don't know that he used to shine his father's shoes. We don't know that he used to bring him breakfast in bed. But somehow he used to be worthy. But now I am no longer worthy. So that means in each and every one of us, we have worth because of our creator. The value in the creator is passed onto the creation. But there's a greater worth when we say, oh Lord, come into my life. I want to be in your presence. I want to be where you are. Numbers 23 talks about how God is not a man. And he really is not a man. He's not a man. He's not like you and I. And that's okay. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus once said, and I know them and they follow me. Now, a good question to ask is, who's chasing who? Are we chasing him or is he chasing us? Are we going to the presence, oh, I was glad when they say, let us go to the house of the Lord? Or is he at your door knocking? The answer to that question will tell you where you are. So there is difficulty and power alike in remaining unflinching and steadfast. It's difficult to stay steadfast, to be immovable, but there is power there. That's actually where the power lies. In the most difficult thing that we have to do, that's actually where the power is. But the devil sometimes closes our eyes and makes us not see. Hold on. My encouragement for you is hold on. The Bible says, oh, the gates of hell will not prevail. But doesn't mean the gates of hell will not try, but you need to hold on. You need to hold on. So as I was just there listening to him, all this that I've said to you is what he said to me. And it was over the space of around an hour or so. And at the end, at the end, it just brought me to my knees. And at the end, I was like, Lord, I just want to be like you. Bring me to your presence. And if I'm in your presence, it will bring me to you and where you are. So that's the end really of my of what I have to talk about. But I'll just say this prayer. And if you're there and if you feel like this is something that has spoken to you, I'm just you can say this after me. 
Lord, I want to be like you. Bring me to your presence, which will bring me to you and where you are. In your presence, it is all about you. I don't see myself. I don't recognize myself. I want you. It's all you, which is the way it is meant to be anyways. Thank you, Lord. I love you. And to you be all the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you all for your Amen. You have been listening to the That Christian Next Door podcast. For more information on the podcast, our activities, and who we are, you can search for us online at www.thatchristiannextdoor.com. Alternatively, you can find us on Instagram at thatchristiannextdoor. If you enjoyed the episode, please share us on your social channels and follow us on the podcast streaming sites. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. Run into it, and they are saying the name of the Lord is a strong
they'll be saved. Oh yeah, they'll be saved. Oh, they'll be saved. Oh, they'll be saved. They'll be saved. Oh, they'll be saved. The righteous will be saved. They'll be saved. Just running to
say